I was working one morning, I was opening, and the phone rings, and I look at the thing, and it's got this really long phone number. I was like, what the hell kind of number is this? <laughs> and I pick it up, and it was actually an Assyrian living in Ninwa who called because he saw the food truck on Facebook, and he just wanted to say hi, and he's like, I just want you to know that we see you here back home, and we're just really proud of you. <laughs> and I was like, I'm ready to cry. You know, it's like, so it's like the coolest thing in the world to have that happen when a total stranger just calls you up to tell you that you're doing a good thing. And I was like, that is... That just that made my that made my year. It made my it made my decade really. <laughs> Welcome to episode 45 of the Assyrian Podcast. My name is Odessa, and on behalf of the entire Assyrian Podcast team, Happy New Year. We look forward to continue bringing episodes to you every Tuesday. In this episode, I finally had the chance to sit down with Lisa and Jacob David, who own and operate the Nineveh Assyrian Food Truck in Olympia, Washington. Lisa and Jacob are brother and sister and have a really cool background in growing up both Assyrian and Jewish and being born and raised in Toledo, Ohio. For those who may not be so familiar, there are hardly any Assyrians who live in Toledo, but that did not stop them from having close ties with their Assyrian heritage, as you'll learn more in this episode. We also talked about their family lineage, what led to the start of their business and stories around it, their love for Assyrian music and their vast collection of vinyls, and finally, advice for taking your business from an idea to a creation. I have this imaginary list in my head of cool Assyrians, and they are definitely on the list. <laughs> If this is the first episode you're listening to on the Assyrian Podcast, welcome. To keep up with us, be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening, let others know about us, and if you find value in what we're delivering each week, we'd really appreciate if you left us a review on whichever platform you're listening. Also, hashtag New Year, New Us. We've revamped our website where you can listen to episodes directly from the website, learn about our team, and more. Go to www.assyrianpodcast.com, check it out, and we'd love to hear from you, so let us know your thoughts. Lastly, support for this podcast comes from Tony Caligarakis and the Injury Lawyers of Illinois and New York. Tony generously offered his space for us to be able to do this interview in a quiet space, so big shout out to Tony. If you know anyone who's been in a serious accident, please reach out to Tony Caligarakis. He has been recognized as a top 40 lawyer and a rising star by Super Lawyers Publication and has obtained multiple multi-million dollar awards. Tony can be reached at injuryrights.com or 847 982 9516. Now, without further ado, Lisa and Jacob David. I did some research that the way I understood your family, they, they came from the Urmia region of Iran mm -hmm. to Baghdad, yes. from Baghdad to America, and America specifically Ohio. Right? For Chicago. For Chicago. Yeah. And then Ohio. Yeah. And then y'all ended up making your way somehow to the Northwest. Yeah. So our grandparents are both, or me on our dad's side. They came from... Our grandfather was from a, a village called Ardashai, and then our grandmother was from Chadabash. Our grandfather was born in 1915. Yeah, they, they fled as he was an infant, then when the genocide was happening, and uh, packed up what they could on donkeys and started walking to, to Iraq. Odd story, he was, as an infant, they had him strapped to one of the donkeys and the donkey got lost. So they spent a day trying to find our grandfather. because So we were almost never here. Uh, we almost don't they exist. Found the but they found the donkey yeah. taking a break under a tree. 
needed a break and some shade. Uh, so yeah, the, luckily the family all made it to Iraq, set up a new life eventually in Baghdad. And so our dad was born there. Eventually things were not great there either. So he left. He was the first. Well, he had uncles that had left, but then he was the first of our immediate family to leave in uh, 63, 64, I think. Mm-hmm. He went to London for half a year and then came to Chicago and stayed with his uncles. I mean, he left on a student visa. He went to the Baghdad College. Okay. Yeah, and that was his high school. That was his high school. And I think most of the guys who graduated from there left to go study engineering. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Pretty common back then. Yeah. <laughs> Probably still now. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he left and... Um, wound up in Chicago with family, and then his cousin actually went, went to the University of Toledo in Ohio uh, to study, and so then he followed, he's like, okay, I can go there too, and he's, he was studying engineering in Toledo, and that's where he met our mom at, at university. Okay, yeah. okay, and how did that love start and blossom from there? <laughs> um, I think both being yeah. Semitic people, they're, you know, kind of kindred spirits, they... You know, they look similar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they. Yeah, our mom's got the, the big frizzy hair. You know. <laughs> yeah, they're, you know they're they're both brilliant. They, my mom was smart. studying yeah, anthropology, and they hit it off. Yeah. They were together for years, probably almost a decade before they got married. Yeah, and had kids. Yeah. No. No, seventies. No, oh, almost. So. Yeah. I think I what married in were? Okay. Seventy. I was born in seventy-six. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I think they met in sixty-nine. Something around there, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what was the family's reaction like? I think it was hard. It was hard, yeah. yeah. Bringing, you know, having, marrying outside, you know, especially on, on, on our Assyrian side of the family, it was a little bit, they were a little more reluctant. But um, over the years, once they got to know our mom and how sweet she is, she's she's part of the family. You know? I think, like, both, both cultures have, like, survived for thousands of years because of being endogamous people yeah. and... Always marrying your own and the religion too on both sides is one thing that has always helped maintain cultural cultural identity. So it's hard to like throw different to the mix. Yeah, and I don't know but. if you all just uh, recently saw a YouTube video that came out and they were uh, comparing the right. Aramaic and Hebrew language. Yeah. And they're throwing certain words and that other person had to guess what it is. Yeah. And it's amazing how similar both of the mm-hmm. languages are and we've i've known that for a long time I'm, I'm not fluent in either but i know a number of words in both and i've i've known the similarities especially alphabet numbers all those kind of things um but then just hearing words over time and knowing them from both i'm like oh yeah this is very similar you know there's a lot of words that are very close so it was cool to have that video i actually haven't seen that one yet i've seen other ones of the same series yeah. but that they one I, like I bookmarked a, it just like mm-hmm. a week ago i was like i gotta get back and watch right, that yeah. one they do like a syrian arabic a yeah. syrian farsi and yeah. then a syrian hebrew i think i watched the syrian farsi one yeah. but this is the this will be the best hebrew one I'm is sure. definitely the closest yeah. they say words i'm just like hello that's like actually what we say as well so. right yeah we went to we went to we grew up going to hebrew school and our dad was always able to help us with our homework mm-hmm. okay being fluent in syrian yeah. well that and when we would do um, Jewish holidays too you know if we would do a, a Passover Seder or something with family and our dad would be there some of those things are straight up in Aramaic you know and the, the Hebrew Talmud and other things are in Aramaic the older Aramaic but he would still understand a lot of it and we'd be we'd come home singing songs from school and he'd be like no I, I know all that you know I know, you're saying, <laughs> I know yeah. exactly what you're saying yeah <laughs> so was your mom they met in Ohio was your mom mm-hmm. from Ohio as well yes yeah her her 
dad was from Canada. He grew up in Montreal. And oh. then her mom's parents came over from Russia and Poland mm-hmm. through Ellis Island. And they settled in Ohio and opened businesses. I think we have, like, what, four generations of restaurant on our side? Yeah. No <laughs> yeah. kidding. Wow. And, and all in Toledo or kind of spread throughout? That was all, all in yeah, Toledo. Yeah, all in Toledo. Yeah. Yeah. And our parents' restaurant, they sold, what, two and a half years ago? Three years ago? Yeah. And what was that? They had a deli. It was, like, in, homemade soups. In Toledo. In Toledo. Yeah. Yeah. It was a sub shop. Yeah. Sub shop and deli. So they went to school there, and then they ended up just settling in, yeah. in yeah. Toledo. They both decided they didn't want to work in offices all day, and then my grandfather had an extra building, and he was like, you guys should open a business. You can have this building. <laughs> Yeah. How convenient. Yeah. Because it was a it was a restaurant in that space. Well, actually, that same building, our grandmother ran a um, cafeteria, like an old style cafeteria, soda like shop, store. pharmacy. Yeah. yeah, in the fifties and sixties, uh-huh. maybe. And then so the building was in the family, and other restaurants were there over the years. But then one of them closed, and uh, so the the building was just empty. And so yeah, our grandfather said, "You guys." This is a restaurant. If you guys want it, go for it. And they and did. By that time, that was in '79. Yeah. By that time, I the rest of my dad's siblings and his parents had come to America. Yeah. So his brothers came and helped get the place ready to open, and then one of his brothers stayed and worked for like the first what four or five years. Yeah. And then he came back to Chicago and opened his own restaurant. Ah, cool. How far is Toledo from Chicago? It's like four and a half hours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like growing up, did you? I mean, was there an Assyrian community at all? Toledo? No, we were the only ones. No. Yeah. yeah. None that we knew of. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was There's just I've met others this, later, yeah. Like, yeah. Elmer, Elmer Apo growing up, but yeah. Just yeah, he's very, from Toledo. Very rare. <laughs> now there's like a huge Chaldean population, Assyrian population okay. in Detroit, and a lot yeah. of them have started to come down because it's only an hour south of Detroit. But when we were kids, there were no, like, you would never hear of an Assyrian. Community. Yeah. So what was that experience like growing up in Toledo? It was, it was nice. I mean, was we, cool. we loved our school. We loved our classmates. We loved coming to Chicago. It was our favorite thing to do. Every vacation yeah. time, we always came to Chicago to spend time with our cousins. And we would hang out at my grandmother's house and just get wild in the basement mm-hmm. playing. <laughs> that was our Assyrian experience growing up, oh, yeah. was coming Assyrian. to Chicago, mm-hmm. being with our cousins, staying at our Nana's house. You know, That was, that was where we connected on that, on that level. Which um, is why we're all still close to this day we text each other every day yeah and we still come to chicago a couple times a year at least and growing up how often would you like make a visit to chicago we would come for most holidays because it was easy just you know like four and a half hour drive so that wasn't hard um but then in the summer we would take a train here by ourselves yeah Yeah, when we were when i was like 10 lisa's eight or whatever our parents would just stick us on the amtrak alone and be like all right you're going west yeah get off in chicago and then my uncle would be there to pick us up (laughs) which isn't so hard because chicago's the end of the line so you can't miss your stop yeah that's and then we would stay at our grandmother's in the summer yeah so we would stay for a couple weeks a month whatever yeah and we were just play with our cousins every day very good memories here in chicago yeah do you have a couple of memories that that are very vivid that come to mind um Besides just regular playing in the backyard type of things, I think going to a couple of the Assyrian parties were really memorable for us. Oh, the summer picnics. Getting to see the summer picnics that they would do regularly. Oh, so fun. Just to see hundreds of Assyrians dancing and and watching the singers, getting to hear Sargon sing live was so cool to us because we had all the vinyl when we were young. And And he was my favorite singer ever. I loved him. When I was was, four, I wanted to marry him. I love it. Your parents are like, I know. No. But we can go see him. Right. He's a little old. When you grow up, you probably won't think that. (laughs) 
Okay, so you sort of had that experience of, of growing up a Syrian, you'd, you'd be connected to that when you came in and visited mm-hmm. Chicago. Yes. At what point did you then go from Ohio to Washington? In nineteen yeah, in nineteen ninety seven, um, I applied and was accepted to the Evergreen State College, which is a liberal arts college in Washington State in Olympia. And I And for those who may not be familiar with the like US map and where Washington is, okay. yeah. it's it's not DC on no, the east coast, no. it's it, all the way on the west. North <laughs> north of California. Yeah. yeah. Close, so north close to Canada. Yeah. yeah. We are an hour south of Seattle. Yep. So I went to college there and there was just like this need for Middle Eastern food in the town. There was no, there was like one small Lebanese place that then closed halfway through college. And the whole time I thought, you know what? If I opened a falafel place up in this town, (laughs) it would be gold. (laughs) (laughs) There's nowhere to get falafel. We would drive an hour to Seattle if we were going to go have Middle Eastern food. And yeah, I graduated, I focused mostly on ceramics and printmaking in school. And then after school, I taught art to children in after school programs and alternative school programs, and I did that for like 10 years, and then I was doing a little bartending on the weekends, and I loved it, and I thought, why don't I just open my own place? So I did a bunch of research, and Jacob helped me put together a business plan, and at the time, like, food trucks were getting really, really popular, and I thought, you know, I really want a sit-down restaurant. I want I want to make all the Assyrian foods for people, And then I thought, well, it would be so much harder to figure out funding for all of this. I could just open a food truck now. I just have to find one and buy it. And Jacob helped me find one in the Midwest. And then him and his best friend bought it and drove it all the way across the country. Mm -hmm. And what year are we talking here? (laughs) This This was 2011. 2011? Okay. And we did a little, we like switched out some of the equipment, did a little bit of upgrading on the truck, got it licensed. We, it was very exciting for the community so we didn't tell anyone that we were opening on the first day because we were scared we'd be too busy so we just like kind of sneaked into our spot parked into our spot opened opened. up for business and we were so busy just from word of mouth and then a couple days later we announced it online that we opened and we we stayed busy ever since that's amazing and so you i mean you have a background or a family that Mm -hmm. has opened up many restaurants so it's sort Mm -hmm. of in your blood it is yeah 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 our parents restaurant opened when she was one so she, we, we grew up in restaurants. Did you all used to everything. help out as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, like starting, natural, starting right? out yeah. when you're that little, you're just napping under the counter. And then as you get older, you know, our dad's like, here, have this mop and get to work, you know? <laughs> so did that help ease the, the idea of, of thinking of this as just uh, an idea, a sketch, mm-hmm. you know, some notes on a paper to our, an actual food truck? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for us, it's not a hobby business. We, it, you know, like you said, it's in our blood. We've, we've done it our whole lives. Yeah. And what it didn't seem so scary to do it either. We were able to launch right into it without having that initial fear. I mean, there is some. You're like, you're nervous. You're like, you're opening up a business. But then, you have to, like, figure, figure out the, the muscle memory of where everything is yeah. to get fast at doing your job. Right. And then there's the business, you know, there's the, that's the like day-to-day work of it. Then there's also the business side of it where you're trying to grow the business and do all that. And, and that part didn't seem as daunting because we, we learned over the years, you know, our parents would tell us, oh, we wish we would have done this or we wish we would have done that over the years. And so you learn from from that. that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. So it it seems it's kind of second nature to a lot of what we do. And then there were certain things like our parents didn't have a lot of employees over the years. So we had to figure out how to do all the payroll for having, you know where we have like 14 employees now. Yeah. And um, the small business training program that I went to that 
help put the business plan together. They're a great resource for whenever we have questions about you know how to properly set up any kind of business function, and they have endless resources for small businesses. That's so great that yeah. there's such a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something I don't think is talked about enough that supporting small businesses has such a positive impact on local economies because the money stays in the community that it's great to have a resource like that. I'm sure there's some in Chicago too to help small businesses be successful because there is such a high failure rate, especially for food businesses. Mm-hmm. And why do you think that is? I think because people go into it thinking, I have this passion for cooking, but haven't ironed out all the kinks when it comes to the business aspect. And it's there's such slim margins that it's hard to farm all of that part of the job out. It's hard to hire a bookkeeper. It's hard to pay for the payroll services. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to figure it all out yourself. And there are systems that you can use to make it simple. And what is the, what's the population like in, in Olympia? It's small. It's, it's like 50,000. Yeah. Yeah. In Toledo, where we grew up, it was like half a million. That was with surrounding, yeah, yeah, surrounding areas. And Olympia, yeah, that's Olympia proper, just 50. But there's, you know, smaller cities outside that make it a little bit larger, but it's 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 small town. Now I was looking on the map. It's like, an, what is it, an hour and a half away from Portland? Yes. Mm-hmm. Hour and a half away from yeah. Portland. So you all came in. You are saying that there wasn't really much of a Middle Eastern scene going on there. And you opened up. You weren't sure how it was going to be like. You're busy, and you've been staying busy since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We do a lot of catering now. Yeah. And what do what do people in the community have to say about the food truck, about Middle Eastern Assyrian food in general, and how has the name um, informed people? I, I think it has yeah. informed people to who Assyrians are, from you know not ever hearing of Assyrians to. I overhear people sometimes that I don't know and don't know me saying, oh, yeah, let's go get a Syrian food. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Or I see, I've seen it online, too. Like, there's, yeah. like, Reddit sub forums, and they'll be like, oh, you got to, if you're coming to Olympia, you got to go get a Syrian food. I love that. <laughs> yeah. it, makes, it makes us really happy. Actually, it's one of the things that I've enjoyed the most in doing it is that so many times, especially if I'm working at the window with taking orders and talking to people, people that haven't been there before or don't know the food or don't know Assyrians at all come up and ask, like, what is this, how do you say it, Nineveh? You know, and I'm like, okay, yeah, and start correcting them and then give them, yeah, exactly. And then, but then I, you know, launch into the whole speech of who we are and how long, our history, everything. And I get to do that hundreds of times. And so each individual non-Assyrian that comes that I get to tell that to, it makes me feel really good that they're going away, learning something about who we are, getting a taste of our food, a sample of our culture, and then they go out and spread that to other people, and they, they have a very small snippet of what Assyrian is, and it, it makes me happy. It's it's uh, it's pleasing to be able to do that. It's rewarding, yeah. yeah, it's very rewarding. And I, I noticed, like, I was looking at your menu, and your menu online has, like, the general, what you would expect, let's say, for example, like, a, a Middle Eastern food truck would yeah. have. Mm-hmm. Like, but common then, Middle Eastern street food. Yeah, right. exactly. Mm-hmm. But then you go on, like, your Instagram, and then you'll see... Mm-hmm. And like Jaja, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I saw like all these amazing things, and so and Kipta, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll do all those for catering. For catering, our catering yeah. menu is like all Assyrian food. And yeah, it's hard to serve bushala out of a truck. It, it is. You know, who's gonna walk down menu. the street eating yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have, we have, yeah, we have it on our catering menu. And for one thing that was really hard opening a truck is like, where there's so many different Assyrian dishes. How do you pare it down? Because a truck, your space is so limited and you mm-hmm. have to have ingredients that you're going to use in multiple items on your menu. So we really had to like take the menu we had originally wrote, cut it in half, 
and yeah. then and then cut that in half. Then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then you know we we constantly do events. We we yeah. take rice Reza Shorwa to the hospital for intern lunches. Yeah, they're having all the time. a lunch. Yeah. And we're doing we're catering weddings and they're yeah. they're eating you they're know American curry people. stew they're and stuff. Assuming. Yeah. Yeah. They're eating, okay. yeah. Oh, that's so sick. Yeah, they're excited to have it at a wedding. I'm like, okay, that's great. <laughs> I go to Syrian weddings and it's like chicken and potatoes and I was like yeah exactly. I was like why can't I have that right so that's really cool that through this route that you're able to inform so many different people on a day-to-day basis about who we are and they get a taste of who we are as well and then they go and tell other people as well and the fact that like the name Assyrian is in it kind of helps um yeah inform and that was important to curiosity us as well. it was, it was important. we wanted we I, it was very conscious on our part to put not just call the place Nineveh but call it Nineveh Assyrian and we always put that on everything everything that we put out there with our name on it yeah I feel like most of the time Assyrian owned businesses are like oh we'll just you know we'll call it Lebanese or we'll call it Mediterranean, Mediterranean yeah. yeah and then and we're like no we're going to differentiate. Yeah. I just saw a place, it's not a Syrian home, so I'm not calling anyone out, but I, <laughs> I was passing by like a gyros place and it said um, European style gyros. I'm like, what does that even mean? Right. Like marketing, <laughs> oh, okay, whatever. So walk us through what it is like to actually own and operate out of a food truck. And, you know, your parents had a deli, but mm-hmm. I guess like to actually have like a what would they call it, like a brick and mortar? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And versus having like a food truck. Well, we're, we're getting ready to open a brick and mortar restaurant. You are. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's currently We're just being breaking ground mm-hmm. last week, I think. Yeah, we just got our permits. Yeah. Nice. So we're, yeah, putting in some plumbing and stuff. But yeah, that'll ha- hopefully happen in the spring. Okay. We'll have one in, and that will in be Olympia. in Olympia as yeah. well? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it'll be also in downtown Olympia. And we're looking forward to having more than just, you know, street food, shawarma, falafel. But like we were saying, it's you're limited in what you can make because of space. We're also lucky that we have a commissary that we can work out of to do larger events, which yeah, is required. Catering by kitchen one, and commissary, yeah. yeah. Our county law says all food trucks have to have a commissary space to work What's out a of. Commissary? So it's just an off-site kitchen that's oh. a that's a brick and mortar kitchen somewhere mm-hmm. that you have to do a lot of okay. your work. Mm-hmm. We actually are the way our licensing works too. We have exemptions, so we're allowed to do our. We don't have to move our truck every day. Most food trucks have to move every day, but because we also have, so on the lot that we're in, there is a drive-through coffee shop which we also we own. Yeah, oh, um, sick. yeah. We 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 rent the entire lot, and so we have the coffee shop, and then there's a storage building, and then two other food trucks, and then another building that is a tap room for um, hard cider. So we have a little. Kind a of a beer pod. garden there, yeah. yeah. And so it's a little pod, and the building has water and sewage, so we don't have to move our truck to clean it every night like most food trucks do. So we're really lucky in that regard. But storage is the biggest issue. You don't have room to store enough food to even like we've been we're busy enough now that it's not even it's barely enough room to store food for one day. So we have this building that's a garage next to that space that we can store a lot of stuff in. Um, but then we're constantly. Go, I go get supplies three times a week. We get deliveries once a, a couple times a week because we can't buy a full week's worth of food and store it anywhere. So that's that's one of the biggest challenges. Working in the space is a little bit of a challenge because it's just like 18 foot by 7 foot, you know? That's the whole kitchen. And then things like you're not plumbed into water. You have to fill a water tank every day to do hand washing and dishwashing. Yeah, and you, you don't, you don't to, like turn the sink on and walk away. Yeah, <laughs> you're like very conscious of, okay, I got to do this quickly. Yeah, And then... 
Other than that, it's just probably temperatures. It gets really hot in there in the summer and really, really cold, cold in the winter. winter. <laughs> so I guess naturally then with an uh, actual restaurant that will be opening up, then you don't have to deal with those kind of things. Yeah, probably. we'll be able to mm-hmm. take things over from the restaurant. Yeah. yeah. And can be a little we'll bit have more, more expansive with yeah. your, your menu oh, yeah. and yeah. what you're serving as well. But we will still keep the food truck open, too. Okay. That's staying where it is. Okay. That's and still going to be our street food, and then this will be our sit-down meals, and then we're also having How many a bar and lounge. How many are we going to have on the menu? Ooh. I know. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. So you came, you were already there, you mm-hmm. started it. Yeah. At what point did you decide that you were going to make the move, and what were you doing before that, Jacob? Yeah. Um, so it was 2011 when we started talking about it, and then we found the truck, and I did some of the work on it in Ohio and then I was like all right I'll drive it out and let's get this thing started and initially I was like all right we'll see how I like it if I'm going to stay or not but before that I went to school at the University of Toledo and have a degree in film and video and um, I had a video production company for a number of years mostly doing local work but we also did some international work where we did a, a documentary. Toledo, Ohio and Toledo, Spain are the first like official sister cities in the world uh, 1931 and so around the time of the 75th anniversary, we did a documentary that was all about artists that live and work in both cities. So I got to live in Spain for a while, which was really fun. And then this documentary was on our local uh, PBS public television a bunch of times. They showed it, so that was really exciting. And then uh, we did some oral history work with local people in Toledo. And it was cool. But we got started getting a little burned out because it was a lot of television commercial work too and it wasn't that wasn't where the passion was going into filmmaking so when this idea of the food truck came up I was like yeah let's let's give it a shot and see what's going on Um, I was kind of winding down on the video production with my business partner at the time so he actually is the one who helped me work on the truck and then he and I drove it out together and he stayed with us for the first summer uh, out there in Olympia as well and got us we all got it open together and then it was just it was great and it was it was a lot of fun and so and it was busy and it was busy yeah so it was like part of it was like I didn't want to leave because it was so busy I don't think she wanted me to leave because it was busy so I pretty much just moved to Olympia at that point and now and, he's my business partner and now we're yeah we're full partners and uh expanding and having a good time doing it together and now we've convinced our parents to move to Washington. No kidding. Yeah, I actually just moved them there last week. I drove a giant rental truck across the country wow. a week ago. And I actually remember <laughs> I was reading a story of when you were driving the food truck mm-hmm. there that it broke down yeah. halfway. So what was... And in, in Minnesota, we broke down. We were stuck for like five days. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Trying to get new Trying wheels to get new axles weekend. and wheels. Yeah. yeah, something that just snapped on it. But it was all part of the adventure. It was great. We Before we you it. had moved it there, was the design all done on no, the truck? No, that's all done. That's all custom. That's yeah. all, we, yeah. We had um, What was the local, inspiration behind the design? Um, I had one of my best friends that I grew up with in Ohio is a graphic designer in Seattle. Her name is Julia Antich. Shout out to Julia. She, shout out to Julia. She yep. does all of our design work. And we have some really close friends who are sign painters, and they were they were just being featured in a documentary at the time about sign painting across the United States. It's called Sign Painting. Sign painters. And there's a book and that a goes book along too, with yeah. it, and so the truck is in the book. And um, so we they all collaborated on the design and then hand painting the entire truck. It's all painted by hand. Wow. Yeah. Now I'm not that person, at least yet in my life, where I would live in a van and go traveling. But I was telling my husband <laughs> that if I were, it my van would look and be 
like the van that you all have, yeah. the truck that you all have. We have, we have painters. If yeah, oh if you need a painter, gosh, we got them. I think it's a beautiful design. Thank yeah, you. it was an old. Um, it was an old linen delivery van. Yeah, it was an Aramark <laughs> delivery truck. Yeah, yeah. originally, and nice. then we did the base coat, and then they hand painted us. You know. Mm-hmm. We got to help a little. Pit my ride. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, I don't know. It's something that we've always been into. Our parents had hand-painted sign work on their restaurant, and I've always appreciated that a little more than just, you know, vinyl wrapping and stuff. was in the same documentary. Yeah. Oh, was Mm -hmm. it? So even when we got a cargo van for doing our supplies, we had uh, the sign painters go to town on that one. They did the glass at our catering kitchen, um, put put some uh, really cool Assyrian art on there. So you guys grew up in Toledo and then now are living in Washington, both sort of having very minimal, if at all, any Assyrians that are there. But the work that you do every day is like very Assyrian. You're Mm -hmm. around it all the time. So what is that sort of experience like where you're around certain aspects of the culture and not so much the people? Does that affect you or has that been sort of a natural thing because that's what you've grown up with? Yeah. I think it's kind of natural. I think there's, you know, there's good and bad in, in all of that. I'd say the good is that we're not how Assyrians can be a little up in your business. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're not, we don't have to deal with that. So yeah. um, we're a little bit removed from that. The, the, the downside is not being fluent in the language. So we don't get that from growing up uh, around a lot of Assyrians because of it. Maybe when you're around it all the time, you don't appreciate it as much. And when, yeah. when, and when you're away from people, it, it's like, yeah. you know. So we crave it. We crave yeah. it. And, you know, one of the... There are many ways to maintain your culture. One is through food, music, mm-hmm. language, religion. So for us, food and playing playing our music in our truck all the time. We play the same mm-hmm. music when we work. You all do a good job at, at sort of paying homage to, yeah. uh, to that. Yeah. Have you had the experience of Assyrians coming oh, to the yeah. truck? And we love it. Yeah, we love it. What? Yeah, what's that like? <laughs> it's great. They just they roll through. They're on a, like a road trip, or they're in Seattle or Portland or something. Like we're gonna come up for lunch, and they'll they'll hit us up on Facebook or something and let us know, and we we meet them. We'll meet anyone, any Assyrians who want to come. We'll be there in a minute. We tell our employees if an Assyrian comes to the window, text us right away. Aww. We will come. Yeah, we will come. I live like five blocks away yeah. from work, so I can be there in a minute. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's been really cool. We get we've gotten uh, to know some people that way that we never would have met otherwise, and they turn out to be super cool people. And um, how do they hear about the food truck? Usually online, mm-hmm. word of mouth, Facebook, yeah, Instagram. I think the coolest thing that ever happened to me in the truck. I was working one morning. I was opening, and the phone rings, and I look at the thing, and it's got this really long phone number. And I was like, what "The hell kind of number is this?" <laughs> and I pick it up, and it was actually an Assyrian living in Ninwa who called because he saw the food truck on Facebook and he just wanted to say hi and he's like I just want you to know that we see you here back home and we're just really proud of you <laughs> and I was like I'm ready to cry you know it's like so it's like the coolest thing in the world to have that happen when a total stranger just calls you up to tell you that you're doing a good thing and I was like that is that just that made my that made my year it made my it made my decade really <laughs> yeah. respect I, I always told Asha I would love to do a road trip where we're flying into Vancouver and then mm-hmm. just yeah. making our way down and y'all being yep. one of the, yeah. the place that we stop at before we then that would be cool. to, people who are just down like BC down down yeah. the coast yeah we're just a few hours from Vancouver so and I, know th- and I know the Syrians are sort of sprinkled all throughout the northwest I know that there's like at least a few or there was a very tiny community in the Seattle yeah. area mm-hmm. 
There's an Assyrian church of the East in Seattle. Yeah. It's all in English. Yeah. Um, and I think there used to be a few Assyrian families that go there. Maybe there's a couple that still do. Um, I, I went there in the late 90s when I first moved across the country looking for my people, and there, there weren't any there. Yeah. But the priest knew. He was like, oh, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and so do you all, like, are you all connected at all to any of the folks that are, We've like, met in a the couple. North yeah. West yeah. Area? We've, We've met, met a couple families in the, Seattle. Through the truck. Yeah. yeah. They have found us, and they'll call us, and then we get together, you know, not all the time, but every now and then we'll get together, have you know, have dinner or something. And then we met a family in Olympia. Yeah. Their, their children were in my ceramics class. When I got my roster for the for the session, I was like, whoa, there's Assyrian names on my list. Yeah. And then I looked at their mom, and she wasn't Assyrian. I thought, hmm. And then I talked to her, and she was like, oh, my husband's from Chicago. And I was like, you guys are Assyrian? And then she went home and told her husband that the children's teacher was a Syrian. He was like, no, no, no. There's she no probably, way. Yeah. She yeah. probably said Syrian. <laughs> so we've, we've hung out with that family. They're great. Yeah, they're really cool. I've got family, actually, um, in Washington as well. But they're on the east eastern part. So I was looking at it on the map. Like, like Spokane or Tri-Cities or... Mm, I'd have to I have to look it up, mm. but I know I put it on Google Maps just to see how far it was from yeah. you guys, and it was like five hours. So yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, well, that's, that's quite. Fair. One of the families we know from Seattle used to live in the eastern part. Okay. Uh, they were originally from California and then moved to Eastern Washington and then moved to Seattle. Maybe it's the same people. It we'll, could be. We'll figure this out. out yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go into. I had some of the co-hosts send me some questions that they wanted to ask, so okay. we'll go through these. Cool. So one question, and this is from Ninorta, is for the food truck, do you all have a plan to make a trip driving around the states and stopping at oh. different cities? Oh, God. <laughs> or do you all just plan to stay in like one location with the with the truck? I hate driving the truck now, so <laughs> we're staying where we are. I think I, I don't think want to like, break down in the middle yeah. of nowhere again. <laughs> Logistically it would be really, really difficult, but it sounds like an amazing fun time. It would be cool. Trying to get licensed in every city you went to. <laughs> yeah, that's the hard part. But also trying to like strap everything down when you're driving because there's food everywhere. I'll never forget the great tahini spill of 2016 uh, where like a 30 pound pail of tahini fell off the shelf and someone hadn't put the lid on it while I was driving. That was not fun. That's tragic. Yeah, you don't want to have to clean up that much tahini off the floor. So I don't think we'll be driving. Sorry. We try not to drive. Sorry. All right. Good to know. There we go. Um, we can come to your town and cook for you. All right. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, that's the offer. Okay. That's the counter offer right there. Um, John asks, how did other ethnic food scenes or lack thereof in the area inspire you to introduce Assyrian food into the mix? You talked about this a little bit, mm-hmm. but if you want to talk a little bit about like the other ethnic food mm-hmm. scenes, if at all. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, well, especially for trucks, um, yeah. you know, I think that the, the origin of them comes from, like, Mexican lunch trucks. Yeah, yeah. a lot Selling of Selling tacos, and especially on the West Coast, they're everywhere, sprinkled all across. I know that. Modesto, Modesto mm. Turlock so area good. has, like, some of the best, best Mexican best. food yeah. out of food trucks. Oh, we yeah. have a great taco truck right next to us, and then there's, there's a Venezuelan truck on the mm. other side of us. Um, a mile away, there's a Hawaiian truck. Yeah. yeah. Hawaiian fusion. But, yeah, for us, it was... You know, lack of Middle Eastern food in the area that made me yeah. really want to open an Assyrian food truck. Awesome. Um, so Steve asks, I'd like to know what they sell the most of. Kebabs or dolma? What are people fiending for at 2 a.m.? Are you even open? Oh, we're no. Okay, <laughs> so it's not a late night food <laughs> Right, no. We're not a But I guess what's your, what's your most popular item or, you know, top three, let's yeah. say? Lamb beef shawarma. Lamb beef shawarma is number one. We make it from scratch. We, like, we marinate meat and build our spits every day, multiple times a day. Yep. 
Um, and then second would probably be the chicken shawarma. Mm-hmm. And then the falafel, falafel, which we also make from scratch. We soak beans and grind them up and add seasoning. Everything we do is from scratch. That was like the most important thing for me is to not get like, open up a business with just box mix, cookie cutter, Middle Eastern food with like giant gyro bologna cones. I was not into that. We grew <laughs> up watching our uncle make it from scratch here in Chicago. And we're like, we're going to have real shawarma. <laughs> we're yeah. not going to be a like late night drunk truck. We're going to. We want like our customers to consciously come get delicious food yeah. during the day. We're getting yeah. like yeah, we're getting like state workers and things yeah. like that that are coming. Okay. You know, because we're the state capital. So. And I think you know it's, it's a great it's a great lunch or dinner for anyone. It's vegetables, meat. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like protein and a little bit of carb. It's yeah. the but people that are meal. vegans also get that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Option as the, well. the falafel's yeah, vegan. We, we have, have others. That's called the sabich, which is an Iraqi sandwich that was popular in the Jewish communities of Baghdad which has now made it a popular sandwich in Israel, and it's fried eggplant with umba and hummus and pickled turnips. Hard-boiled egg. Hard-boiled egg. And like yeah. a pita bread? Yeah, and pita bread. Oh, tahini, yeah. yeah. Nice. That's really good. That's, That's really popular. popular. And that one can be vegan, too, with mm-hmm. potatoes instead of eggs. Okay. And then, yeah, like dolma, though, is very popular. It's a very popular side dish which that we, we have. Scratch. We make from scratch. We make from scratch, too, yeah. We do vegetarian one. Okay. Um... Yeah, I don't know. It's just it, since it's a limited menu, but I think it's just it's it covers a lot of bases and it can satisfy a lot of different food requirements as well. Because nice. we do and we do like for people who are gluten free, we can do it over. We can serve it all over a bed of rice in a box instead of doing it in pita bread. So we get all kinds of uh, all kinds of customers coming. Very cool. Yeah. Now, I mean, you're all around food all the time, and you know, it's done for work. But what do you all enjoy? cooking for yourselves when it's non-work-related? Mm-hmm. Like, what's your Everything, favorite meal really. that uh, you enjoy? Well, it's always a Syrian food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chipta is my favorite Chipta. dish of all time. But you're not going to make that for yourself. I don't make it often myself, no. <laughs> yeah. I did start making, I did get an Instant Pot, and I started making harissa in my oh, Instant Pot. I just made it for Christmas. <laughs> so how, is, how is yours? It turns out really well. It's it, The barley cooks really well in the Instant Pot, and the meat... I can I can throw a frozen chicken breast in there and it'll then just break it, it up at the end. Yeah. You know, it works. I, I was surprised. And now I will say, like <laughs> I went to the local Assyrian uh, Middle Eastern store and I went and I got pearl barley because that's what the ingredients had said. Mm-hmm. And then I go and the lady's like, "Oh, are you making this for dikhwa?" Or I was like, "No, for harissa." And she's like. Oh no, you're gonna want to get the wheat and not the bar- barley. And I was like, huh. mm, but no, that's not what the thing said. So, anyways, I asked at least five people, and there was half of them that said that wheat. it was I've barley heard, and yeah. half that said wheat. Oh, I've never had so, it I did wheat. it with wheat, and it was actually really good, but yeah. I'm gonna have to try it with barley as well to see if there's any difference in taste or texture yeah. or anything of that sort. I don't I'm sure know. they're both great. I'm I mean, sure, yeah. They're both a hearty green. Yeah. Right. You do. Work. You I've do done it with barley. barley. Yeah. Barley is one of my favorite yeah. things in the world, so I try to put it in soups, anything. I just love barley. Oh, very cool. Very cool. It's a very ancient grain. Yeah. <laughs> Jacob, so you ended up moving to, to Washington because of this food truck. And on Instagram as well, your IG handle is Lisa's brother. So yes. talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's that about? I think that comes from like me knowing everyone in town and then yeah. Jacob coming to town and being okay. like, hi, oh. I'm Lisa's brother. Exactly. <laughs> that just becomes yeah. a part of the identity, right? And also, the, it was like, I remember, I think it was like my, it was actually my email too. I used that because... Most variations of my name, it's common names, Jacob and David. So, you know, 
those were all taken, so I wanted I just got creative with it. You're like, hilarious. He's his brother. Yeah. And he's older. And plus, it's always that thing in, you know, with uh, Middle Eastern communities saying you're so-and-so's son or so-and-so's daughter, and I was like, nah, I'm so-and-so's brother. Yeah. (laughs) I'm Lisa's brother. Yeah. And I'm older, too. And you're the older one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're a dynamic duo and great siblings and now business partners. Like, that's yeah. that's just amazing. Lisa, you have a son. I do. Yes. What's his name? His name is Avi. Al Shalom is his Assyrian name. He's yes. named after my dad's uncle. Av Shalom in Hebrew. In Hebrew, sorry. Yeah. And then uh, he's named after my dad's uncle, who was like one of the first relatives to mm-hmm. come from Baghdad. To here, yeah. Yeah, he's my grandmother's brother. What's it like raising a little... A little baby. He's extremely determined, mm-hmm. which makes it frustrating. So I have a daily practice of patience. <laughs> I can mm-hmm. imagine. Um, but he's also brilliant, and he's super fun to be around. And he's so loving. He's really sweet. Yeah, yeah. And he's a very cute baby. He's really cute. Yeah. He's a yeah. very cute baby. <laughs> <laughs> he charms us daily. Yeah. yeah. Jacob, I see on your Instagram that you're really into Assyrian music, vinyls mm-hmm. in particular. Are you as well, Lisa? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so both mm-hmm. of you. Yeah. Where does that stem from? I think listening to records The records when we were kids. little, yeah. yeah. I had a record player in my bedroom. And, and they gave us Assyrian records. Yeah. And you just listened we just to those? Loved yeah. Them. Yeah, we played them over and over and over. We wore them out. Now Which looking is, back, we wish we didn't have worn them out. So yeah, the, oh, I still have yeah. the same records, and they're <laughs> yeah, a little more beat. beat up, yeah, but... Yeah, that's so my soft. other Instagram is Assyrian Vinyl. Yeah, yeah. I have that page, too. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and they're so sought out now, like mm-hmm. the, the records and people trying to find them. We just had Abu Zaytun yes. um, on. And He's great. He was talking about how hard it was to find mm-hmm. particular vinyls mm-hmm. and how by chance, like one time on eBay, this person wasn't even Assyrian, was like selling, uh, I forgot what uh, record it was. So they, they kind of pop up yeah. seldomly. He was saying he's still looking for like a Sargon Gabriel one. That mm-hmm. Sargon Gabriel himself this, doesn't even yeah, have his second like, album. They're so oh my, hard. No one, oh ha- no one even goodness. has seen the cover. None of us have the cover. We all have MP3 files of that album, but yeah. nobody has. Nobody knows what the album cover looked like. Nothing. So you all have them from the time that you were actually little. It's and some yeah. from family. And then um, I asked like a local DJ here at one of my cousin's weddings if he knew where to get any vinyl. That was a Syrian, and he gave me like a handful of records, and it was it like. Blew my mind. Yeah. That's like gold. It's gold. I, that's what it's I told totally him. That's what I told him, and I was like, "I'll pay you." And he's like, "No, you can have them. You can have them." And I was like, eh, okay. <laughs> "Yeah." Okay. Thanks. I always tell people like, like you know that thing like if your house is on fire, what would you try to grab running out? I'd be like, I'd grab my shelf of Assyrian vinyl. Wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> other than people, of course. But I live alone, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> and they can run out as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, maybe I'll grab some pants. I don't know. It's hard. You know, I've been I've been playing records, you know, since we were teenagers, DJing parties. We both got into vinyl. Like we played with records when we were kids, yeah. and then we got into tapes and CDs. And then when we were teenagers, we got back into vinyl. Yeah. And Jacob was always DJing disco parties, and um, I so I've always been looking through records in record stores. I always go to thrift shops and look at records, and I was like, one day. I'm going to find an Assyrian record. And sure enough, I found a Shamir record at a thrift store for a dollar one day. And Where was this? In Washington State. Which well, she I lived in she Seattle. Was. Yeah. Seattle. Yeah. She was in Seattle. I knew I'd find yeah. one. And I've, I've yeah. known other dealers in Washington who have had her records and sold them. Oh, that just gave me goosebumps. Yeah. Wow. But wow. They're, they're, yeah. like, you know, they're like independent releases. So right. they weren't distributed. There aren't many copies pressed of many of them. And then there's also the the culture of like getting rid of everything. The Assyrian, the Assyrian cleaning Assyrian factor. Cleaning factor. So we're like, how many of them ended up in landfills? Yeah. Like, wh- who did people save them? I hope that some are still in people's attics. Yeah. And that they found some value in them. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, I even I, I teethed on vinyl as a baby. So <laughs> <laughs> there's track one of a number that of records that are that are messed up. <laughs> Not of the Assyrian records. Those are I didn't I didn't chew on those, yeah. but yeah, other ones. <laughs> what was what would you say was like the golden years of Assyrian music? I think late seventies, early eighties. Early eighties. Because yeah. I love synthesizer music and yeah. there's And that funk. They that had that, funk, that funky yeah. element to that Assyrian music that was really good. That's my favorite too. Yeah, like the Assyrians trying like a little bit of westernizing the music mm-hmm. with the, the amazing analog synthesizers. That's what. Does but it then just amazing. playing a basic setup of guitar, bass, drum, Matches, yeah. yeah, like that early, early Ashurbetsergis, early Sargon Gabriel stuff, Linda George's early stuff is all great. Such good variations yeah. too. And a lot of that, a lot of it came out of um, a studio here in Chicago, uh, the Sargon Yonan Studios. But anything Sargon Yonan is like. Genius. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's just jams all over those records. They're mm-hmm. so good. <laughs> I love the um, Raymond Samuel records. They're really funky. Yeah, disco-y. Yeah. yeah. See, I'll say, like, my extent of older Assyrian music is actually thanks to Monir Sherry, who's posted yes. so many of yeah. them on YouTube. He's, he and I have traded before, too. Okay, we're in, we're yeah. in touch. Yeah, he's a great guy. I grew guy. up, and, like, yeah, we listened to some, but I actually listened to all, like, Western kind of music growing up, so... Kind of being able to go through YouTube now and and mm-hmm. seeing those, I'm just like, ah, these are amazing. So, but I'm limited to obviously what's available on yeah. there. I remember being a kid and looking forward to coming to Chicago to go to the grocery stores and buy new tapes. Mm. Like that was always really mm-hmm. exciting for us to see which tapes my dad would get for yeah. us to listen to. Different yeah. Sala tapes, yeah. tapes. Yeah. Those are all good. Mm-hmm. Any particular song or artist that you're just like, yes. My favorite. Favorite song, not just of Assyrian music, but my favorite song. If anyone asks, like, normally it's hard to pick one, right? Yeah. You can't be like, oh, this yeah. is my only favorite song. Yeah. But no, it's uh, Sargon Gabriel uh, Shekhani. Shekhani. Yeah, from his 1980 album. Nice. Nice. How about you, Lisa? I, I can't pick one. Not one no. in particular. <laughs> Anyone that, like, brings a good feeling to you every time you listen to it, you're like, yes. I think that entire Sargon album, the yeah. one in the tape person, he's only wearing the red shirt, but then on the record he has, like, all those... That mixing soundboard behind it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which album Yeah, that's, that? um, I forget the name of it. That's from, like, 83 or something like that, maybe. That's my favorite album. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Anything that you'd love to see in, like, the future when it comes to Assyrian music? Oh, more analog synth. Bring it back. Yeah. I would love to see more pressed on vinyl. It was really cool that people are starting to collect it now, so I think it'll, in you know, in, in the general vinyl resurgence that's happening, I think it'd be nice to see some, uh, some of the younger Assyrian artists embrace that, I think would be cool to see and have them put out some release. I know it's expensive and it's hard to do, so I don't knock them for not doing it, but it would be yeah, really, really cool to see them. Yeah, because it, it's so expensive to produce. Yeah. yeah. Going back to your son, Avi, in, in helping raise him, how do you keep a balance, if at all, with both sides of you? Well, I try to listen to a lot of Assyrian music with him and then hopefully having my dad around soon will help mm-hmm. with the language because he picks up language very fast and I think having my dad speak to him will make it more likely that he'll speak something yeah. serious yeah. when he's older. He's got a handful of words that he uses just from us, but yeah. even but even though we're limited in what we know. But yeah, he's 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 counting in Assyrian he's and in yeah. English, so and he's two and a half, so he's just he's He's learning. He's He'll like, get there. Yeah. Does he know yeah. Hebrew at all as well? He some words. He listens to some Hebrew songs, and I take him uh, once a month to the temple to do Tat Shabbat, which is just like playing and singing songs with the rabbi, and it's really relaxed. It's not, it's not too... It's not structured yeah, religious it's not too structured. class work, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just playtime. 
he loves it. Very cool. Yeah. So in the near future for the both of you, it's now expanding out mm-hmm. into a restaurant. When do you plan for that to officially Ho- hopefully sort of spring open? summer yeah. hopefully of yeah. 2019 yeah oh. yeah hopefully we're trying to make a um, handful of months my, my my prep cook who works in the kitchen with me is also a ceramicist his name is john brooks and he is an, he's amazing we're trying to make all of the dishes from like from clay for the restaurant mm-hmm. <laughs> so all handmade plates um any hints of like what the inside design is going to look like? I think they're not going to have too much texture because the food particles will get, it'll be harder to clean. <laughs> and I think, uh, we haven't picked out colors, but most of the glaze colors I like are um, inspired by the Ishtar Gates, which I've seen in real life. Yeah, we in, went together. In Berlin. Nothing like it. Nope, yeah. nothing like it. It's amazing. I think I just walked into the room and wound up standing there for like an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> just yep. in awe of it all. And it's only like part of it. <laughs> and it was and it's only part Yeah, yeah. Because we would hear the stories um, from our from our dad and family growing up how they would go actually just picnic in Babylon. So they've been to where the gates stood, but they never saw the tiles because the tiles were taken they before were any of them were born. Yeah. They've been in Germany forever. So we always say that between the three of us, we've seen the entirety of the gates now. That's true, yeah. <laughs> I remember going there too and aside from just staring at it I was like observing kind of like how everyone else yeah. was taking it in. I, I like, do that a lot in Assyrian my, galleries. People exactly. Right yeah. yeah. yeah we always try to go to the Oriental Institute in Chicago to visit the giant Lamassu. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Avi loves that. Yep. He's uh, all about we'll the Lamassu. He's yeah. all about the he loves Lamassu. It. Yeah. He's, he's like really into um, recognizing icons and yeah. logos. So he sees that in our logo or like on our truck. Mm-hmm. So he's really grasped onto the Lamassu. Yeah. You are both entrepreneurs. So for those that are listening and let's say they have a business idea and they want to sort of take it to the next level, what kind of advice do you have for them? I think um, even though it's really annoying and time-consuming writing a business plan mm-hmm. and everything having everything like mapped out before you jump into opening business is extremely important because there are all these things that are going to come up once you get open that you're not going to have planned for so it's yeah. nice to have everything as much as you can planned out ahead of time um what else talk to professionals yeah there's people out there that that know, and and those people are good to talk to as well because they're not just going to tell you what you want to hear. If you're talking to your friends, you're like, I got this idea. I want to sell this thing or open this business. They're like, oh, that's a great idea. Go for it. But it's not always a great idea. Study so your market. Study your market. Talk to people that will tell you no sometimes. You know, that's It's important to hear. You don't want just to be surrounded by people that try to make you feel good. You want to be successful. So Yeah, I think definitely feeling out your, your market is mm-hmm. important, whether that's going to be online or in, a, in an area. And how to specifically target that market is really important. Yeah. And and make sure you're not just doing it as a hobby. Because it's a lot of work. Doing it for yourself is a lot of work. Yeah. It's exhausting, but also really rewarding. Rewarding. It's rewarding work, though. Yeah. yeah. True. Come visit us in Olympia. Yeah. When you're driving through, anyone. Let We'd love know. to have Shoot you. Let us a message on Facebook or Instagram, and we will come <laughs> meet you at the truck.